have your Bibles, turn with me to uh, Genesis chapter 3. Genesis chapter 3, verse 6. We're going to kind of do a part two of uh, Sunday's message, which was uh, titled, Where Are You? Um, those are three words that were very important in Genesis chapter 3 as God was looking for Adam in the garden, even the garden. And we're going to dive into that uh, a little deeper as we go further into our series about God, our director, our defender, and our deliverer. How many of you guys know it's important to know who God is? Uh, and not only just to know who God is, but actually have a relationship with him. And here we find Adam and Eve in the garden, and what had just taken place was God made man, God assigned man to the garden, God gave man responsibility, and he also gave man authority. He gave man dominion. He gave man power. Um, when God made man and woman in Genesis 1, uh, I think it's 25 and 26, uh, he made man in his image and his likeness. Amen? Um, every one that God had made, who was Adam and Eve at that time, uh, Adam and then Eve out of Adam, um, literally had God and a piece of God in them. They had authority, they had power, they had dominion, uh, the same abilities uh, that he would have had and had on earth, uh, they literally had. Uh, yet something very interesting happened in Genesis 3. Uh, the serpent came and uh, basically had a conversation with Eve and tricked her into thinking that she was less than who God had made her. He told her that if you ate of this tree in the garden that you would have wisdom. You would know good and evil and God knows you don't know this and therefore you're missing something is the message he was trying to get across to Eve. And Eve took a look at the tree and after having a conversation with um, the serpent, she saw the tree and we looked at this on Sunday, uh, she saw it and saw it was good to eat. And that word saw is not just any word. Uh, and when you look it up and study that word saw, it literally says that she perceived uh, and literally it was like she had an emotional attraction and reaction to that tree. She began to, one word was imagine, <clears throat> another word was like fantasize, another word um, I forgot what the other one was, but it was, it was basically like she saw that thing and was extremely tempted by that tree. And so when she saw that it was good and she became tempted by it, the Bible says she ate. And then it says that she then took the fruit and gave it to her husband who was there. And that's kind of where we pick up at in verse 6. It says, and when the woman saw the tree was good for food and that it was what? Pleasant to her eyes, pleasant to her eyes, and the tree to be desired to do what? Make one wise, she took the fruit thereof and did eat and gave it unto her husband, who was where? He was with her, and he did eat, verse seven. And the eyes of them both were open, and they knew they were naked. Now. It's important to pause right there so you understand what's going on. Uh, he's not talking about their physical eyes were open. How many of you guys know they could already see with their physical eyes? So when he's saying their eyes were open, what he's actually talking about is not their physical eyes, but he's actually talking about their mind. Because immediately after that, he says their eyes were open and they knew. 
they were naked. Not they saw they were naked. They, it, was, it was, they were already naked. They could already see each other naked, but naked wasn't naked before their minds were open. Does that make sense? There was nothing wrong with the fact that they didn't have any clothes on because the glory of God was literally upon them and also, I believe, upon their minds. They only knew good. They didn't know any selfishness. They didn't know any sin. They didn't know any of that. And the devil knew that. The enemy knew that, and that's what he was trying to do. He was trying to introduce to them, uh, introduce them to good and evil. He wanted them to know evil. He wanted them to know sin. He wanted them to know one scripture, or one version says calamity. And God's plan was for us to never know evil. Have you, have you ever thought about that? Have you ever paused and thought about that with this scripture? God's perfect will for your life is to never know evil. It's to never know sin. Why? Because God is love and he doesn't want you to ever know the repercussions of evil and the repercussions of sin. But this is where that entered in. So as soon as their eyes were open and they saw they were naked, what did they do? They immediately went to fix the problem. This is the beginning of self-effort. Now up to this point, they had trusted God for everything. Up to this point, they had a relationship with God the Father. He was definitely their director. He was their defender. He was their deliverer. He was their protector. He was everything. But for the first time, we now see Adam and Eve trying to provide for themselves after their eyes or their minds were open. It's, inter it's interesting that when we think we know what we think we know, all of a sudden we think we don't need God. When we think we're wise, when we think we're educated, when we think uh, we, we got a grasp on the scripture, we find ourselves sometimes doing things on our own. I wonder what areas in our lives we are sowing fig leaves together and making stuff for ourselves. You just look straight ahead, nobody will know it's you. Amen. <laughs> Verse eight. And they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. <clears throat> and they heard, this is interesting how this is written, and they heard what? God's voice walking in the garden. This is so powerful because it didn't say they saw God's feet. It didn't say they saw God's physical presence. It was his voice. This shows me that it's his voice that I have a relationship with. This shows me that it is his word that I must know. They knew his word. They knew his voice. People keep trying to look for a physical being, and God is like, you need to know my word. You need to know my voice. And when you know my voice, you will know my word. And when you know my word, you sure enough going to know my voice. I, 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 don't, I don't really know. I'm not trying to be funny, but I don't want to say this prematurely, but I don't really know if they actually saw him. It says they heard the voice. Now, I don't know how a voice walks, but his voice was so bad that it walked. <laughs> That's a powerful voice, amen? And it was walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and then Adam and his wife did what? Now, check this out. First John 4, he says God is love. 
Now remember, we're talking about knowing God and knowing the nature of God and knowing who God is and then getting to know the true God. It's like with a real God, please stand up. Is it, is it this mad, mean guy or whatever like that? Or is, it some, or is he something else? And I'm telling you, if you just slow down and, and look at the scriptures with your great, great grace glasses on, with your love glasses on, you will really see who God is. Did God hide himself from them? They just sinned, correct? They just disobeyed him, correct? And he's looking for them. God will seek you out in your sin. The blood of Jesus will search you out and will find you and will save you. You got to understand the enemy was still deceiving past the fruit. He was still trying to convince them to run from your savior. Hide from love. Because he doesn't want nothing to do with you. And it was all a lie. God is walking in the garden. As his voice. And they hid from the voice. They hid from the word. And, and even beyond that, it says from the presence. Do you know that the voice of God, the word of God, is indeed the presence of God? You've been searching, you've been feeling alone, you've been feeling depressed, you've been feeling defeated, you've been feeling uh, cast down, and God is saying, I, I gave you my word, I gave you my voice. You are never alone. If you will get into my word, you will find yourself in my presence. They hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God amongst the trees of the garden. Verse 9. And here it is. His voice is looking for him. His presence is right there, ready. And the Lord God called unto Adam and said unto him, where art thou? And those three words are powerful. Love was calling out to Adam. Forgiveness was calling out to Adam. Peace was calling out to Adam. His father was calling out and was looking for him. And you got to know that they were just behind some trees. You got to know that God knew where he physically was. The question just wasn't as much about this carnal body of where, 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 where are you? He's saying, what happened to my son who believed me? What happened to my son who trusted my word? What happened to my son who I knew and who knew me? He's saying, where are you? But all of a sudden, Adam with his wise self wasn't hearing the way he used to hear. I believe that happened. I believe something changed. I believe the previous Adam could have heard that and understood, uh, no, I'm, I'm right here. I'm, I'm with you. But this Adam, because he was now sin-focused, was hearing everything through carnal ears, running everything through carnal feelings, and through a carnal mind. What, now, by now, you should be getting the point of what a carnal mind is or a car, when we say carnal. That, that is simply uh, a mind that is separated from God. It's a mind uh, that's not the same as God. It's a mind that runs things through the senses instead of through the word. It's a mind that runs things through your personal feelings instead of the word. Amen? And Adam was now of a carnal mind. God said, Adam, where art thou? Let's go to verse 10. Verse 10 said, and he said, this is Adam, said, I heard thy voice in the garden, and here it is. He was what? I was afraid. I was afraid of love. 
I was afraid of forgiveness. I was afraid of peace. Do you know a carnal mind will pervert and twist the image of God to you? Instead of God being someone to be ran to, someone to climb up in his lap, someone to fall down and say, I'm sorry, instead of God being any of that, God now became something and someone to be scared of. I'm really slowing down and I want you to see this because we often in life, especially nowadays, find ourselves trying to deal with stuff on our own, feeling all alone, feeling like God is so far uh, and, and so far for us to reach and, and we don't realize God's presence is right there. And it's not him who's running from us, it's us who's being deceived by the enemy and we are running from him. Adam said, I hid because I was afraid. And why was he afraid? Because I was thinking about how I looked. Because I was focused on me. Because I was naked. God created him. As far as we know, it was only two human beings in this garden. Adam, ain't nobody looking at you. I mean, think about this. It's you and your wife. And she don't seen you before, I would assume. And it's God. So what are you afraid of? But that tells you how strong self-preservation and selfishness and all of that stuff can be, especially in this situation. And I'm sure it was guilt and I'm sure it was shame and I'm sure it was all of that tied up into that and all of that condemnation caused him to say, I'm scared to face you. I let you down. There's something on the inside of us as human beings that don't want to let folks down that we care for. And so what often happens is when we find ourselves making mistakes, failing in life, or doing something, we tend to run from those who we love the most. People do it in church all the time. Life will mess up, something will happen, you'll backslide or you'll fall or you'll do something, and all of a sudden grace doesn't make a difference to you anymore. The first thing people do when they find themselves in some type of sin or trouble is disappear from church. Because they're afraid to see the people who they love. They're afraid to face the pastors or they're afraid to, afraid to face the presence of God. And it's, it's a cycle of what we're seeing right here. I was naked. I made a mistake. I messed up. So I'm not going to hide myself from the entire congregation. I'm going to hide myself from my breakthrough. I'm going to hide myself from the word. I'm going to hide myself from the love of God. Because really what I'm saying is, is I don't really know God. I know my situation, I know my circumstances, and they're so strong right now, all I can see is me, so I'm going to run from the presence of God. I'm going to run from the body of Christ, and I'm going to find myself now alone and open to the attacks of the enemy. How many guys know there's a better way? Grace says no matter what's happened in your life, grace says no matter what's going on, no matter what has occurred, no matter if you're butt naked or no matter if you're clothed, you are welcome in the presence of God. That's what grace says. Grace says you're forgiven. Grace says God has forgotten. And grace says that all is well with you. Amen. So God looked for Adam and Eve. They were not where he left them. And we're not talking about in the physical place. They were not in the state of mind that he left them in. They weren't where he told them to be. How come? They had found a better place and a better way than where and what he had for them. 
Be careful of what looks like the better place and the better way. If you're going to know God, you're going to have to trust God. If you're going to know God, you're going to have to trust his voice. If you're going to know God, you're going to have to trust his word. And you're going to have to determine it then. You've got to draw a line in the sand so that the enemy can never tempt you again with something other than what God has said. You're going to have to determine that there is nothing better than the will of God for my life. I'll say that again. You're going to have to determine that there is nothing better than the will of God for my life. I don't care what presents itself to me that may look better than what I have. There is nothing better than the will of God for my life. There is not a better spouse for me than the will of God for my life. Somebody say amen. There is not a better church for me than the will of God for my life. There is not a better job for me than the will of God for my life. There is not a better call for me than the will of God for my life. Whatever his will is based on what his word has told me, that's what I'm sticking to. And when the enemy then comes and tries to get in your face with these carnal things, with these different situations and circumstances that speak contrary to the word of God, you will already have your faith built up. And then you'll be able to do what Jesus said when Peter spoke to him saying, hey, we don't want you to die. Come on, Jesus. You don't have to do that. And what did he tell Peter? Get thee behind me, Satan. Because there's nothing better for me than the will of God. And God's will for me as Jesus was to get on this cross and die. So that my blood can be shed and I can be the sacrificial lamb. I got folks counting on me. And he stuck to the will. And thank God Jesus stuck to the will of God for his life. Because you and me are saved as a result of it. Amen? Amen. So they found a better place. But I want you to see the process to this was they found a better place first in their mind. Before they took any action, there was a choice that was made. Then their actions and their physical location had to be moved after those actions. But it started where? In the mind. She saw something. And when she saw it, she made a decision. I believe that Adam, because it says he was right there. And I don't think Adam was looking at the tree. I think Adam was looking at the woman. I said, I don't think Adam was looking at the tree. I think Adam was looking at the woman. Now, they both were operating in their carnal senses. Because what did Adam tell God when God said, if you keep reading this, what God said was, <clears throat> what happened? He said, the woman you gave me, gave me the fruit. She said, the serpent. So she looking at the tree and the serpent, he looking at old girl. Not old girl, I'm sorry. He looking at the woman. And that's still messing men up to this day. Somebody don't want me to talk about it. I'm going to talk about it anyway. That's still messing men up to this day. You are denying the voice of God. You're denying the will of God. You're denying that you're, you're jeopardizing the presence of God for old girl. Amen. And sometimes old girl ain't old girl. Sometimes old girl is something on the internet or sometimes old girl is some, something you fantasizing about an old girl that you playing with on a job, or old girl that you, you go in a Waffle House and old girl flirting with you and you flirting back with old girl. But I'm telling you, you playing with fire because you're about to negate the presence of God in your life. His grace is still there. God still loves you. He's still going to be there for you, but you're about to find yourself in a situation that you're going to be so condemned and now you got to fight condemnation and shame and all of this and you're going to be hiding from the presence of God. I believe that's one of the issues in church today. While you're looking around, you don't see men half the time. Church full of women. But it's like, where the men? Yeah. 
Men, be careful. You don't want to have some weird Eve in your life that you're choosing over, the, over God. Just look ahead. We won't have no ideas, you. No idea. Let's keep going. So they chose this first in their minds, and then they took action. And once they took that action, now their physical location had to be moved. If you read all the way down, to, uh, I think it's verse 24, that um, God then eventually removes them out of the garden. And again, it was still an act of love. We looked at this on Sunday. He, re he moved them out of the garden, not because he was mad at them. Actually, let's just go there real quick. Let me show you this. Uh, go to verse 21. Verse 21, it says, unto Adam also and to his wife did the Lord God do what? Make coats of skins and he clothed them. Somebody tell me what is a coat of skins? Leather. He, no, 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 somebody say suede. <laughs> now he didn't just make them better all natural garments out of hemp fibers or something like that. He made them leather clothes so that they could be now clothed. Their nakedness was a result of their sin. And if God was into punishing everybody, if God was into killing everybody, first of all, why didn't he kill them? Let's just start there. If God is this mean God who kills everybody who's messing up, why did he not kill them? And then why did God protect their bodies? It was their fault that they were naked. It was their fault that they were getting removed out of the garden. So why would he turn around and do something nice for them? Why would he turn around and provide for them? And why in the world did animals have to now die because you messed up? Peter would have been all over the place. Not Peter, Peter. <laughs> Looking at the fact that what, it's y'all's fault. But you want to know why? Because God is love. He was still their father. He said, I'm going to still provide for you. And I 100% know that God had forgiven them. Because if you keep reading, when Cain and Abel came on the scene, God was still talking to them. If you read what happened to Cain, Cain killed Abel, and God was still talking to him after the murder. And then God turned around and said, if anybody touches Cain, you won't have a problem with me. Wait, wait, wait. I thought God was mean. I thought he was killing everybody. I thought he was there. Remember, this is all pre-law. This is all pre-Ten Commandments and then the other 612 that went along with them. Or 613 that went along with them. Or whatever many it is. 603. Yeah, because it's 613 altogether. This was pre-all of that. So God, who is love, did not have to act out the punishment side of what he had to do with the law. Once the law came in, if you messed up, God had to mess you up. That was the rules. But right now, pre-law, those aren't the rules. You mess up, God is still going to love you. You mess up, God is still going to help you. You mess up, God is still going to be there for you. You see it with Abraham and Sarah. I forgot the king or the dude that they were with, but he, they went to this guy, and literally Abraham told her a lie, by the way, you lie, because you look good. 
And if he want to, you know, kind of get to know you, I want to get killed. So I want you to lie and say we just family because they were half brother and sister. And he said, now lie. And after that, after that guy found out, the king found out and everything, he's like, hey, man, take your woman back. This is my translation. <laughs> and he told him to go ahead and y'all go ahead and go. And he, and he blessed them. And Abraham left there after having lied, after having deceived this guy, and God still had his back. And he got blessed even more after that. How is that? I thought God was a mean, bad guy. No, because God is love. And it wasn't until the entrance of the law that God had to then begin to punish people because he had to keep his part of the deal. Had he not kept his part of the deal, he would have been a liar, and then none of this would have worked. Grace, the, the salvation with Jesus, all of that would have been now fake because God is now a liar. And as Dr. Dollar puts it, the enemy would have been able to shut his lights out at that point. So God had to stick to his part as it related to the law. But when grace came on the scene, man was put right back into that same pre-fall relationship. Man was right back to Genesis 1, 25, 26. Man was back into right relationship with God. And that's where you and I are today. If you believe that, say amen. amen. All right, let's keep going. So the question I want to ask you tonight is where are you in your thinking? Because wherever you are at in your thinking, that's where you're going to be at in life. Let's look at Proverbs 23, 7. Make sure I give you a word on this. Proverbs 23, 7. Read this first part with me. It says, for as he thinketh in his heart, what? So is he. So what is that saying? Very simply put, it's saying, as I think, that's where I'm going to be. That's where I'm going to be. That's what I'm going to be. That's as I'm going to be. How's your thinking? Where are you at in your thinking? Because we see what happened with Adam and Eve when their thinking went in another direction. When your thinking goes in another direction, that's where your life goes. But when your thinking stays in line with God and the will of God and the word of God, guess where your life goes? With God. You're blessed whether your thinking is good or bad. God loves you whether your thinking is good or bad. But whether or not you see the manifestation of that grace, whether or not you see the manifestation of that goodness, whether or not you see the manifestation of that love is 100% based on how you're thinking because how you're thinking is responsible for where you will take these feet and what you will do with these hands. Remember uh, Eve or the woman that she was called at that point, her thinking changed and her actions changed. That tree had been in that garden for God knows how long. But on that day, when she heard different words, she had different thoughts. And when she had different thoughts, she perceived and began to feel differently. And when she began to feel differently, she then made a different choice than she had made every other day up to that point. Up to that point, her decisions had been, I'm not eating of that tree. I'm not eating that tree. I'm not eating that tree. And here comes 
words to oppose God. And those words, those negative words, those bad words, now all of a sudden gave her negative thoughts, bad thoughts. Maybe I'm not who God said I am. Maybe I am missing something. Maybe this serpent has a point. And then that made her feel differently about herself. And I dare say made her feel maybe differently about God. I don't think the fear of God was there at that moment. And that's what bad word in can do. And then those feelings caused her to make a different decision, which was today I'm going to eat of this tree. The wrong word will embolden you to rebel against God. Somebody say amen. But the right word, the right word will embolden you to trust in his promises. You got to stick with the right word. I said you have to stick with the right word. And once she made that decision, she then took action. And that action was ultimately responsible for where she ended up in life. Now check this out. That action wasn't just responsible for where she ended up in life. That action was responsible for, and Adam's action was responsible for, where we all ended up. Trust and believe. Your actions will affect more than you. I said your actions will affect more than you. You thought the enemy was just after you. No, he's after everybody that's around you. He's after your children. Well, I don't have children. He's after the ones that you ain't had yet. He's after your influence. He's after your future. The enemy's playing a long game. As somebody said, this is chess, not checkers. All you're doing is looking at what's in front of you, and the enemy is looking at what's beyond you for the next 120, the next 120, and the next 120 after that. He's playing a forever game. And the only thing you got to do to beat him is decide today that I'm going to trust God. It's decide today that I know the Father. It's to decide today God loves me. And it's to decide today that I am a son and I am a daughter of God. And his grace is sufficient for me and I'm not lacking anything. That was the problem in the garden. Eve thought she was missing something. Adam forgot who his first relationship was with. And we got to choose tonight. Oh, no, there's a better way. It would be crazy for me to trust the devil. It would be crazy for me to believe his lie. I'm healed. I'm whole. I'm at peace. I'm prosperous. I'm in the presence of God. I'm a winner. I'm victorious. I'm the head and not the tail. My God has supplied all my needs according to his riches and glory. I am content with where I am and with what I have. Whether I'm abased or abound, all is well with me. See, that's what you got to do. You got to get to talking to yourself and begin to confess the promises of God, not because just the promises are so wonderful, they absolutely are, but I don't want you just to know the promise, I need you to get to know the person. And once you know the person, you'll be able to stand solid on the promise. 
Some of y'all know the promises, but you're weak on the promises because you don't really know the person who gave the promise. I can't lie, there's been people in my life who've given me all type of promises. We even got things we say, I, I hear what you're saying, but I'm going to watch what you do. Why? Because I know the person. Well, I'm telling you today, watch what he do. I, I need you to see what he's done. I need you to trust what he said. I need you to have that faith that says, wait a minute, if he did it for them, he sure enough going to do it for me. And if he did it before, he sure enough going to do it again. I know who God is. And I know who God is, and therefore I know who I am. And now I can look at this promise, and I can have faith in the promise because I absolutely know the person God is not going to let me down. Somebody got to get to know him. So where are you in your thinking? Where is, where's your mind based on the word that you're hearing? Go to Romans 12, 1 and 2. Are you getting anything out of this? Because all of this begins with me making a choice to have a relationship with God. Because you can hear everything I'm saying, and it all makes sense. It's all in the Word. But you'll walk right out of here if you don't have a relationship with Him and be right back where you were at before you walked in this door. And understand this. Let me, let me be obedient and say what God is telling me to say right now. Understand this, because some people hear me say have a relationship with God, and what comes up first is all your failed attempts, so you think. All the times you tried to sit down and pray for an hour and you fell asleep. <laughs> all the time you tried to sit down and read the word and you just got more confused and you just closed the Bible. All the time that you tried to come to church every single uh, service for a whole month and you really only made it twice. What continues to come to your mind and what the enemy's trying to do is he's trying to condemn you and convince you that you will never succeed in having a relationship with the Father. A relationship with the Father is not a pass or fail situation. It's not something to be achieved. It's just simply something to be enjoyed. I want you to start practice having a relationship with the Father by just having a relationship with the Father. If you talk to him for one minute, or if you talk to him for 100, have a relationship with the Father. If you read one scripture, or if you read 10, have a relationship with the Father. God has no rules for your relationship with him. He just wants you to spend some time with him. Well, who is him? Go back to what we saw in the word, with his voice, with his word. You have the written word, as we taught last, uh, at the end of last year, which is the logos. And then you have the rhema word of God, his voice. You have the Holy Ghost living on the inside of you, who is the voice of God. We got to take the deepness out of having a relationship with him. God is constantly, forever talking to you. And, and trust me when I say there's no age limit to this thing. I was three and a half years old when I heard God's voice when I got saved. And he said, you will be a preacher. I began to pray in tongues that same night along with my sisters. And some people say, oh, you must be one of them super Christians. No, I just trusted. And I know what I heard. 
And I know if a three-year-old little black boy in Tulsa, Oklahoma can hear the voice of God, you'll, you, you can. Let me say it that way. You show sure can yourself. Because I don't believe it and say, well, I'm a teenager, so I, I can't really hear God. No, you need to cut off some of that other stuff so you can hear him clearly. But I promise you, you can hear the voice of God. Well, I mean, I understand, but I got a lot of kids and I got a lot of responsibilities. So, I, you know, I didn't, no, 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 you need to quiet all that mess and you need to cut, up, cut out about two or three minutes every single day at least so you can just spend some time getting to know the voice of God. But his voice is his presence and his presence is where there is fullness of joy. That depression, that, that, that dis-ease that you have going on in your mind, it's because you ain't got no joy, and you ain't got no joy because you got to get in his presence. And where his voice is, that's where his presence is. This is not something that has to be difficult. And when I was young, you know, I used to sit in church, and I used to sit in team ministry, and I used to sit in all these things, and, and hear people talking about the voice of God, and I would look around, and, and all the kids would, wouldn't have any idea because they were like, I can't hear him. Because nobody knew how to simply say his presence is his voice. And you can't hear his voice in the natural if you got all this other stuff going on in your mind. Eve ejected the voice of God by taking in the voice of the enemy. And the voice of the enemy and, the, and, and her own personal voice, her inner voice, outweighed the voice of God. That was a choice that she made. And just like she made that choice, we can unmake that choice. And say, Lord, I'm turning up the volume on your voice. That's a choice you make. And today should be the last day that you should ever say, I can't hear the voice of God. You can actually, you can hear his voice. Sometimes it's just that you don't know that's him. Because you, you're not familiar with his word. Sometimes you don't know what you, is that him? Is that God saying, be a blessing to that person that just cussed me out? Is that God saying, he still loves me even though I just got done doing what I just did? See, some of you think that's not him. That's him. He's saying he loves you while you're fornicating. Don't say that, just look straight ahead, just look straight ahead. He said he loves you while you're smoking what you're smoking and drinking what you're drinking and doing what you're doing and thinking what you're thinking. He says he loves you. And that's weird to you because you thought that he was this guy who would be punishing you. No, that's God saying you are my righteousness. You are my son. You are my daughter. Well, how you know that that's how God talked? Because I read my Bible and I saw this story in there about the prodigal son, about this guy whose father had a whole lot of money and a whole lot of stuff. And this guy had an, that right to all that stuff. And so what he did was said, dad, give me all my inheritance right now. And his dad loved him so much that he honored his choice. And that young man went out into the world and he partied, he drank, he did all this crazy stuff until he didn't have no more money. And it got so bad that he was found sleeping with the pigs and eating the slop of the pigs. And then one day, the word says that he came to his right mind. And he said, now wait a minute. My dad is rich. And even the servants in my dad's house eat better than this. So when he finally got his mind together, 
he remembered what home was like. And when he finally got his mind together, he remembered what daddy was like. And he returned home broke. And his father did not reject him. His father didn't even correct him. His father welcomed him with open arms. Put a coat on him. And a ring. <laughs> Told him, let's have a party, let's have a feast. My son has returned. And he was put right back into the place that he left with. I'm telling you guys, we got to make up our minds tonight that we're with the Father. We got to make up our minds tonight that we're with the Father because the Father is with us. He is never leaving us. He has never forsaken us. And if we can get a hold of this, supernatural will be in your life without a doubt because that's just who your Father is. If we can get out of self-effort, if we can trust in God and his promises, if we can get over into just saying, I decide every single day to choose you, we can change this world. The world is waiting on the manifestations of the sons and the daughters of God, and that's all we're talking about tonight. When we say, where are you? We're saying, where are you in your sonship? Where are you in your daughtership? You just got to make up your mind that I'm with the Father, that I trust him because I know him. And I know him because I know his word. Say this with me. Say, God loves me. God loves I want you to close your eyes real quick, and I want you to say, God loves me. I want you to say it beyond a shadow of a doubt. I want you to say, God loves me. And I need you to understand tonight, in the midst of whatever mess you may find yourself in, in the midst of any circumstance, in the midst of any situation, God's love is unfailing. God's love will never change. God's love is unconditional. And grace, who is Jesus, by the way, has already set you up and qualified you for the love of God. So there is no failure in your life in Jesus' name. There is no defeat in your life in Jesus' name. There is no not knowing in your life in Jesus' name. I speak wisdom into your life right now. I challenge you to open up your mouth and ask God, how do I do this? And watch him supernaturally show you how. I speak healing and health into your life right now. Down to the bone in Jesus' name. Down to the cell in Jesus' name. Not by you, but by his supernatural ability. Your creator is healing you right now. You're healed, you're healed, you're healed, you're whole. I speak it through this screen that in this camera we're talking to. You're healed and whole in the name of Jesus. 
I speak against depression right now in Jesus' name. You're not crazy. You're not crazy. You're not crazy. You're not alone. All is well in your life. In Jesus' name. Father God, we thank and we receive you. We receive your voice. We receive your word. We receive your power. We receive your love. We know that getting to know you is the answer. And so we choose today, not just to know your promises, but now to, to know you as the person. And we trust all the promises but take care of themselves. And we thank you for this word on tonight. It's just what we needed, Lord. Just what we needed on a Wednesday night to be reminded of who you are. We believe it and we receive it. And we can see it now, Lord. And now we're going to run with this. In Jesus' name. If you agree with that, say amen. Come on and give God a hand clap of praise. My God, man. Who is God? He's love. Your daddy is love. He got you, amen? Well, let's go ahead and worship God with our giving on tonight. As you give, I want you to be reminded of Genesis 14 where Abraham was given and, and when he tithed, it was, it was an act of love. It was, it, was, it was out of relationship with God. Abraham, I said Adam, Abraham, Abraham knew God so well that he was willing to tithe before that was even a rule or a law. That's why you tithe. You tithe out of relationship of knowing God, amen? You give offerings out of relationship. The, the widow who gave the two, to the two mites, she gave out of knowing who Jesus was. And she trusted in who he was more than the two copper coins that she had. She knew something. Better than, yet than that, she knew someone. And she said, if I can give this where he's at, something's going to happen. God loves you. He's not condemning you. So when you sow tonight, sow with a cheerful heart. The Bible said God loves a cheerful giver. I believe that's because God loves somebody who's given and trusts him. You ever notice that when you don't trust God and you're, you're sowing and you're giving, you're sad? <laughs> because you don't know if this is going to work. You know, that, 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 that money you're giving is like you rolling dice. You're shooting craps with the offering envelope. Because you don't know. It's, it's a chance thing. I, I don't know. So there's no cheer there. But when, when you know God who loves you, got you, that you're already blessed, that grace is already sufficient and supplied everything you need, when you know that, you give with a good heart, without a second thought or a care. I thank you, Lord, for carefree giving in this place. Thank you, Lord. So I trust you've done what you need to do. If you're giving by text, you can uh, raise that phone up. If you're uh, giving by envelope, you can raise that up. Father, we just sow today without care, trusting you with every bill, with every thing that needs to be done. We trust you, Lord. We're not dependent upon 
this, this is just seed that we're going to put into the ground. We're not waiting on some other money to come in to, to, to then say, well, now I honor God. We trust you right now with whatever we got. We don't have to wait for the tax check to come in, Lord. We honor you right now with this. And we believe your love for us has taken care of everything. We believe your grace has made whatever we're going to need tomorrow and the next day already available. And because we know you, we'll hear the direction and we have the wisdom to run right into it. We thank you for who this will bless. And we put it in the ground. And we thank you for a harvest that's going to change the world. In Jesus' name. Ushers, you may serve the people. As they do that, if you're in this place and you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, we want you to know the Father. Tonight's your night. Or if you're in this place and you say, I am saved, but you haven't received the baptism of the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues, hey, perfect grace gift. Get that language tonight, but even more than that, get the power of God upon you to do what he's called you to do. And last but not least, if you do not have a good church home, we would love for you to be a part of this family. So I've called for three things, salvation, baptism of the Holy Spirit, or to join the church. If any of those apply to you, come on down to the front. If you're already hooked up with us, we praise God for that. So I'm going to ask everybody to stand to your feet real quick. And as we always do, check with those who are around you. See if there's anybody who needs prayer on any one of those things. If they would say yes to that, help them come down to the front. Let's just take about 15 seconds and let's just do that right now. Amen. If everybody's all good, just give me a thumbs up as you do. All right. Looks like everybody is good in the house. All right. Praise God for that. Let's give God a hand clap of praise. So when somebody asks you, where are you? You tell them, I'm with God. Amen. Where are you? God. Where are you? Who is God? Love. Yes, and your daddy is love. Amen? Amen. Uh, raise your hands as we prepare to be dismissed. Father, we just thank and praise you for your word on tonight. We thank you that uh, it speaks to us. And as we leave this place, we go uh, full of your word and full of expectation to see the manifestation of grace in our lives. Now unto him who is able to keep us from falling and present us faultless before the Almighty God. To him be glory, majesty, dominion, and power, both now and forever. Thank you, Lord. We thank you. As we go from this place, we go in your grace. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We love you guys so much. You are dismissed.